Beast Wars, we're back for more. Beast Machines is next, it's true. What else were we gonna do? Welcome to War and Beast, the podcast that says friends don't let friends brainwash their friends. I'm Greg. I'm Emily. I'm Jordan. And I'm Kendall. And this week we are reviewing Beast Machines Season 1, Episode 9, Revelations Part 3, Apocalypse. Sadly, a lack of apocalypse in this episode. Oh, I want to say that I take take umbrage to your opening statement. I think some people... Are very good friends who brainwash their friends. <laughs> oh yes, I suppose. <laughs> so, uh, so I got a question, Jordan. You have this uh, episode pulled up on uh, the TF Wiki, right? Yes. Okay. So, in the TF Wiki, is it showed as Revelations Three or Revelations Part Three? Revelations Part Three. Okay. And does it use the um? Does it Roman use the new re- eyes? It does use yeah. the Roman numeral? Okay. Because on sure. IMDb, it's Revelations I, Revelations II, and then Revelations Part 3. That's annoying. That well, if you remember, it was frustrating. Was it one of the, like, was it Nemesis or, or one of the other three parters in uh, Beast Wars where it was like, you know, it was like Nemesis 1, Nemesis 2, and then Nemesis Part 3? Uh. <laughs> like, like they they did that in the actual uh so yeah i'm not sure uh like that's what it was marked on the um on like the dvd mm-hmm. i have and they and i don't know it could be just that you know they were following the convention of the other two because it looks like the other two episodes were were marked part one part two yeah so i don't know yeah in the on the dvd it definitely they definitely are all three in the same in the same form, so, it's Revelations, comma part I, Revelations, comma part I I, Revelations, comma part I I I. So, so uh, somebody on IMDb got lazy. Yep. <laughs> and the other piece of trivia I have on IMDb is that uh, the runtime of this episode is twenty minutes. Yes. <laughs> that was it. It's, it's yeah. There's no trivia. I. I realized I realized like last episode or two that I wrote the theme song and I said that I read trivia on IMDb and I don't want to be a liar, <laughs> but I do have this day in history. Um, so, uh, oh, there was a headline from the LA Times that I thought was funny or apt or something. Oh, FDA seeks data on trans fats on food labels huh. um, uh, on November 13th, 1999. Uh, and then, um, I also, just because of, uh, time, like a snapshot, I feel like it gives a good snapshot of what was going on at this time. I've got the, uh, the top 10 songs. Uh, I'm just going to read the top five songs in the, in the charts right now in the U S uh, number five was TLC's unpretty. Number four is Mariah Carey's heartbreaker. Number three is Lou Bega's mambo. Number five, a little bit of. 
Uh, number two is Puff Daddy Satisfy You. And number one is Santana Smooth. Ah. God, I feel really old now. Yes. And if you like me like- reading uh, music chart things, you should listen to That's What They Called Music because that's the, one of the things I do. <laughs> Um, I thought the plugs were supposed to be at the end of the show. <laughs> Look, it's called Synergy. <laughs> I literally just listened to an episode where they're like, do you want to do your plugs now? And he's like, no, I'll wait to do my plugs at the end because I've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> like a real podcaster. Uh, did I listen to that? I, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I think it's – I can't remember which one it was though. <sighs> Let's see. It had to be might have been, been. It might have been Medora. might have been, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and Sleepy Hollow, directed by Tim Burton, was one of the most viewed movies released in 1999. Huh. Okay. Uh, that's cool. uh, that's So that's what happened on Saturday, November 13th, uh, 1999. Okay. So, Jordan, what do we have on the TF Wiki this week? Okay. So we only got one continuity error mentioned here, and that that is that Optimus mentions the Beast Wars on Earth were, in fact... The Oracle's way of bringing organic matter. And this, as mentioned, like, as it mentions here that the Beast Wars were started by Megatron, who stole a ship in, a, in an attempt to change history. Uh, you could be generous and assume that Prime's, you know, newfound religious zeal is blinding him to the truth or, you know, manufacturing the truth. Or maybe the Oracle was also manipulating Megatron. Who knows? In any event... Time traveling to the past to visit a planet extremely important to the history of the Transformers race seems a really roundabout way of gaining organic matter. There's no indication whatsoever in Beast Wars that organic beast forms are in any way unusual. And the only way this makes sense is if there are no planets with organic races still talking to Cybertron in the present day. Yeah. So, hmm. Maybe, like, Optimus meant more like we had to, like, live as beasts for a certain amount of time without, uh, without, you know, our like, I mean, like they did have mm. like some luxuries, but also, they... but also like, I, I mean, first of all, anytime that, uh, some greater being, uh, creates a war in order to have something happen. I mean, obviously they're doing it in a roundabout way. So obviously, uh, Oracle was manipulating Megatron and, and also, uh, I do feel like they, think organic beast forms are weird in in the early uh yeah they don't the, really know how to like use them like like they had to like learn to like synergize with their yeah with their beast forms yeah and mm-hmm. finally as we learn in the transformers movie all the other life forms are transformers too that they talk to <laughs> <laughs> look i know yeah, my transformers continuity yeah. yeah i think yeah it's actually true because like Everything they come across in that movie, like Kendall said, is a robot and mm. sometimes a transformer. And then like human are like the one people who are like, hey, what's up? We're people and we're organic. <laughs> uh, so then we go on to some continuity notes where Cheetor says, Cheetor says, I'm seriously missing my old turbo jets right now, which is, okay. of course, <laughs> is a mention to his old transmetal uh, abilities in Beast Wars. I, I like that. <laughs> Both as like a, a as a funny line and also like it's kind of the first time they've like acknowledged their old forms, yeah. In the, in the show, which is kind of cool. Like 
uh, Trev's not like he's not like man. I used to have a gun and I could be a car. Like yeah, that was cool. Like <laughs> no, he never says that. He's just like oh, I, I can hack. Like he, he complains about his body not being capable, but he doesn't like talk about his old body at all. Like none of them really do. And then mm-hmm. that was yeah, the first he, time. I kinda, like, he wants to forget his his rat roadster form, just like the rest <laughs> of us. I like it. I like the roadster form. I I know everyone else likes it except for me. I know. <laughs> uh, Rattrap sardonically remarks that it's a good thing that Tankor doesn't have a Predacon spark, and it mentions that this is the only time the Predacons are mentioned in the series. Although the producers did confirm that Maximals and Predacons were both targeted by Megatron's attack, so it wasn't just Maximals on the planet. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, Optimus refers to the tree in Ice Cream's cavern, seen in Forbidden as an example of Cybertron's organic pass. And then we just have a little mention of Gadget and Power about how Thrust's hand can detach as part of a grappling hook-like setup. Yes. Then we just have two more little things. One quick real-world reference where uh, after Night Scream attacks some of the tank drones, he calls them Tonka toys. Yeah. I, I, That's I was right. Tonka is owned by Hasbro. Yep. I watched it with uh, Cassie and she's like, how does he know what those are? <laughs> <laughs> Well, because he knows he knows his good friends, the GoBots. Anyways, oh, oh, oh. Uh, there's an interesting bit of trivia, though. Uh, Scourge's original intention was that Rhinox had, and this is in quotes, seen all sides of the argument and chose to go more in Megatron's direction. Uh, so after a quiet chat, he and Optimus would part company. But as Richard Newman played the scene with growling and shouting, Rhinox instead sounded not quite in his right mind after his experiences. <laughs> Yeah. And that said, the animation scene, which we will get to, might, might not actually kind of look as a quiet chat scene, but they mentioned that this might have been changed to fit more of Newman's performance than oh, what yeah, was like, intended. Um, they, they, they animate after they get voice acting in. Mm-hmm. And then they animate the character to match the voice acting. It's like, that's why dubbing uh, anime is like kind of difficult, because they have to like match what they're seeing more than just play the character as they want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I thought it was kind of like a little bit of push and pull kind of thing where sometimes they like, like you know, just I because mean, like they're, they're directed when they, when they do voice acting, like they they are directed, but I'm pretty sure like they animate like the lip movements and stuff after they have the voice work because like, yes, they have okay. to, or they wouldn't be able to match it up. Like, like voice, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that's really difficult in animation is actually matching lip flaps. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times, especially with um, a lot of the car- like Batman the Animated Series and Superman Animated Series, those series there, they would record the voice acting first and then they were doing the animation. And it, yeah. because a lot of the time they were sort of dependent on how things were coming out. To sort of gauge how to animate the sequence, so I, I think like the how I even learned about this was I was watching like a special features on an anime thing, mm-hmm. and the actors were talking about the, how it's like when you do Western animation, they you do the voice acting and then they match the character, but when we do anime, we have to like kind of match what we've already seen, and that, that's kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, now there about differences. There, there are time. There are definitely times though where they'll they'll re they'll record after the after the fact. Um, oh, I remember, are, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. So there's that. There's the situation that always comes up in early Simpsons where uh, standards and practices says no, you can't make that joke, 
And so mm-hmm. then they have to they have to redo it. Or yeah. I do remember uh, like watching a Disney Channel behind the scenes for The Lion King a million years ago where they were where the actor was like, this is a particularly hard scene because normally we would do the talking first and then the animation. But this time I have to match with the animation. Mm. So, that's weird. so but all of that kind of still says that, like, matching to the animation is not the norm. <laughs> like, yeah. OK, yeah. OK. Hmm. Well, that's all that we have on the TF Wiki. Okay. So, with that being said, I suppose we should get into the episode at hand. Uh, as with the previous episode, we sort of get a last time on Beast Machines, and we get a little scroll through of the uh, the various scenes that had occurred last episode with, you know, Black Arachne with Thrust, and Cheetor and Rat Trap with Tankor, and we get the revelation that... <gasps> Tankor is Rhinox. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. And, and yeah, this is the this is the thing that was spoiled on the uh, on the commentary of the first <laughs> yeah. Tankor episode or or whatever it was that I listened to because uh, he just kept calling it Mark, uh, not Mark Wade. Uh, Bob What's the guy? And Wolfman, and Wolfman, Marv, Marv Wolfman, Wolfman just kept referring yeah. to him as Rhinox just throughout the whole thing. <laughs> That's hilarious. So oh. the the episode really opens up uh, pretty much exactly where we left off with the previous one. Uh, Seemed kind of like a freeze framey type thing where like, yeah, yeah. Like, as Night Scream like putting his hand out, but it's like he's like still and the camera's like panning around him. And, yeah, like, I like man. how it's like an action like a uh, pan scene kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And like the neat thing is too, page kind of. Thing. Yeah. And the neat thing is too, because everybody's frozen, but the one thing that is moving is black arachne spark as the spark extractor is like wrapping its claws around it, which I thought was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so as we see the, the spark pulled into the extractor, we've got jet storm. Who's like, Look at me, Ma. I got a glow bug. Yeehaw. Yep. <laughs> and he's all proud of himself and twirls it around like a gun and then transforms and starts flying away. And uh, Night Scream uh, takes it upon himself to give chase. And the thing that I'm kind of curious about is why the hell didn't he get out from under that debris like 10 seconds sooner? It's, it's, it's a Spider-Man situation where he's like, oh, it's really hard to get up, but then I'm going to will myself out of it and yeah. get reserves of strength I didn't know I had. That's what mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. That's my headcanon, is that he was trapped, but then seeing Black Rackney taken away like that, he was able to muster his strength to, to get out. Nice yes, suppose. like much like how when a mother can lift a car when her child is in danger. Mm-hmm. Night Scream is, sees himself as, as Black Rackney's mother, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> be oh, a I meant the little scene up. update for uh, for Doctor Seuss's "Are You My Mother?" Is that? I didn't know that was a story. Interesting. <laughs> it was. Was it Doctor Seuss? I thought it was something else. No, I'm pretty sure it was Doctor Seuss. Oh, hmm. well, we get back to Cheetor with um, Tankor and Rat Trap, and Cheetor is aghast that Tankor is Rhinox because, like. Rhinox was a genius, and Tankor's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we might as well just write a sign that says Dunce and stick it on his back. That sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rattrap confirms that it is, in fact, their old buddy Rhinox. It's in Tankor. And uh, as he says, that 
Uh, Tankor sort of is like still sort of out of it, so he falls over onto his back. Mm-hmm. And he's slowly coming to his Cheetor and Rhinox are you know talking. We then cut to Optimus, who is meditating in front of the Oracle, and he's like, <sighs> he's like, I don't doubt the the message that you're trying to send, but I don't understand it, mm-hmm. and I need help. And it's like that sort of. Oh, I need help, hey? More cryptic messages your yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just throw you into a field and you have to see the heads of your buddies on a plant and figure out what the hell's going on. Just so weird because TF like Wiki mentioned this was whales. <laughs> what 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 he gets from this is that like combining nature with technology is good, but this seems like the opposite because yeah. like we've turned into plants, it's bad. Like, I don't know. Well, it, it's weird because, yeah, he like they're plants and then all of a sudden they become bluish mechanical plants. Yeah. And then they start melting. Start and melting. it's like, yeah, it's like, why did you let this happen to us? And it's well, like, I like how he's like, I, I like how when he says it, he's like, why did you fail us, boss monkey? It's like the it's like the it's kind of a humorous nickname to call him in this dramatic scene. Yeah. And, of course, Optimus freaks out. He's like, oh, and then we cut back to Cheetor and Rat Trap as Tankor is still sort of stirring a bit. And they're talking about, well, obviously, we need to try and, you know, bring Rhinox to the surface here. And for a moment, as we get Tankor rising up and Cheetor, you know, he's using Rhinox's name. He's like, and Tankor's head sort of tilts to the side and he starts using their names. As he's looking at them, he sort of scans them both and it's almost like he's got it. And then he he starts to have one of those sort of, you know, my brain is on fire. I'm going to scream moments. And then it's like, oh, no, he's back to tank. We're getting he starts chasing after them. So like a piercing wine at the same time. Yeah. So does this mean that in Beast Wars, Waspinator was actually having his mind controlled? And he's really a maximal, and and he would have he just he just has have his has had his memory manipulated, and that's why he calls them, uh, you know, bird oh, bot. I see what and, going oh, for. so if he had actually bot. been using their names, that he would have been like he would he would have been a okay with them all. Well, he would. I mean, I'm just no, saying. No, I'm just he, saying. This he would, is he would be more. Li- uh, eloquent in his words right this is uh, the fact that the fact that he's speaking like this just like just like uh tankor you know he was speaking like tankor and then tankor gets his memory restored and he doesn't talk that way anymore maybe waspinator also had his memory manipulated by megatron Hmm. interesting the other possibility is that it just is something uh indicative of the of someone messing with their processor speed (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to throttle back your megahertz here. <laughs> so in that case, maybe maybe Waspinator was actually like the most competent of all of the of all the Predacons. And that's why that's why he, he always was talking about. He was always talking about how he should be in charge. Maybe he, he attempted was too to. Smart. They had to they had to they had to lower him for, yep. for their own. <laughs> For their own myth, and that's that's why that's why Tarantulas has Waspinator parts in his lab. (laughs) (laughs) It all makes sense. It all it all makes sense. (laughs) In a weird sort of way, it kind of does. (laughs) So, 
<laughs> yes, we, we, we get Tankor, who is back into his raw smash all cat bot, rat bot, and starts giving chase. Uh, he spits fire out of his mouth. Which, which is not something he's done ever before. Yeah, I was going to say, where did that power come from? Uh, he ate some yeah. turbo hot sauce. He didn't remember <laughs> how to do it, and then his memories got restored. Tankor learned flamethrower. <laughs> um, but so we get Tankor, you know, attacking the two of them. He manages to, you know, sort of incapacitate Cheetor a little bit by knocking him into some crates. Rat Trap transforms back into a rat to sort of try and play more to Tankor's memories. Say, hey, you remember your old buddy Rat Trap, don't you, Rhinox? And then, you know, an explosion goes off beside him. He's like, uh, apparently not. <laughs> We we then get Rat Trap, who you know, without a weapon, manages to sort of knock Tanker over, you know, just using his brain and having some piping uh, crash into him, which was pretty good. Uh, it only sort of pins him for a few seconds, though, and Cheetor and Rat Trap then, you know, they start running away as Tanker is giving chase again, and then Tanker starts getting some backup with some additional tank drones, so. So much for trying to speak to Rhinox's memories because it hasn't really worked thus far. No. The um, the chase leads to these. It's almost like somebody decided to make these bunch of. I'm not even sure what these archways are exactly. Well, they're the gateway to the new world. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're in. Uh, they're in St. Louis. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it's space st louis so that's why there's a bunch of them <laughs> yeah and well that's because there's multiple space space uh st louis's in new world so you know they had to put all of them there um. it's collected all the st louis arches oh this, <laughs> this is for so this is like every new planet that gets colonized needs a needs a needs a st louis and this is the yes. where they manufacture those arches that makes sense yeah okay yeah sure. uh-huh <laughs> Sure, Michael appreciate that. Yeah, the Arches <laughs> of Space, St. Louis. It sounds like something you'd hear on a Doctor Who episode or something. <laughs> um, so Rat Trap and Cheater, though, they manage to run up one of these arches, and they look back down as Tankor is starting to use his saws to sort of, you know, cut into it, and he starts sort of wobbling it back and forth, and as it Before starts to tip Cheetor over... His line now, of, uh, now, have we seen Tankor's saws yes. before? Because you guys called out that once, we hadn't seen him once, pre-fire. Well, yes, once we have seen he, the saws. he menaced people with them, but yeah. we didn't see where they came from. Like, it, it was just, his hands were suddenly saws. Also, I think this is the first time we see how they deploy hmm. from his arms. Also, I don't know, his saws seem more like a thing he should be able to do, while the flamethrower breath seems like a a random thing he did like i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't gel as well that's why it, look, just, it felt weird well, emily it's only fair, fair it does kind of look like a grill it's only fair if you're going to randomly give the maximals extra powers every episode then the vehicons <laughs> also have to randomly get extra powers every episode or it wouldn't be fair well you sure. know what i find is kind of fitting it already for, isn't fair yeah Although I do find it kind of fitting that Tankor has these saws, considering the revelation that we just had that he is also Rhinox. That he's Rhinox, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. definitely – I like – at least it, whether they used it before or not, I'm glad that they are there because it is reminiscent of Rhinox's form. Yeah, very much so, I found. So 
he he manages to to knock over one of the arches, which crashes into some of his drones. I mean, obviously, he doesn't really care because they're mindless drones. Uh, but he's still freaking out, and the drones start shooting at the second arch that the Maximals are on, while he goes all the way to the end of the the pile, so to speak, and starts sawing at one. So he's actually using a bit of brains because he's he's using his drones to keep the Maximals sort of preoccupied on that arch while he's working on a separate one, Mm -hmm. which we will get back to because we have now shifted over to Jetstorm creepily looking at this spark uh, extractor and And having a conversation. Yeah, he's having a conversation with it. Um, It's a very quick one, though, because Night Scream appears in his bat form and swipes it out of his hands and starts running away. And Jetstorm gets really pissed off. Like <laughs> I, the way the way he calls out his transformation sequence was pretty angry. I think it's because he's mad that he stopped to talk to it. Like he's like, why did I do? Oh, if I hope he hadn't <laughs> done that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then um, Night Scream's able to outmaneuver him, and he and Jetstorm crashes, but uh, quickly regains the chase. Yes. Yeah, and he doesn't he have a line where he's he's like, well, I'm the top gun here. Yeah, like which I, I'm surprised they didn't reference that with the the, the real world references. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure why. Sometimes they miss things, you know. Mm-hmm. And he is the maverick of the group. <laughs> now, now we just need to see him play volleyball. Oh yeah, God. Jordan was too quick for me. I was just going to say volleyball, but Jordan was too quick. <laughs> it's that song. It's like hanging with the boys or something yep. like that. Yeah, Great. something like that. Um, we do get a bit of a, a chase sequence where Deathstorm has chased Night Scream into this uh, building. And Night Scream starts flying up this elevator shaft with uh, Deathstorm shooting uh, from below and shoots a hole into uh the elevator itself it, it as he starts flying up giving chase night scream manages to cut the cord of the elevator and it falls down and uh, night scream says a sharp yeah turns C sharp to, and then b flat as soon as it lands and, and crushes it and like cassie gave it the biggest groan and i laughed so hard <laughs> okay <laughs> so so i did i reacted to this uh because First of all, I thought, oh, does Night Scream have perfect pitch? Because the guy was screaming and he's like C sharp and then B flat, you know, as a joke. But <laughs> uh, Night Scream does not have perfect pitch because uh, when uh, what's his name? Not Starscream is is falling and does the uh, he's it's an F that he's uh, that he's screaming. I used my tuner to check. Uh, oh, so he nice, is neither nice. screaming a C sharp nor a B flat. Oh. <laughs> and oh. then he says music to my ears because that's, that's the joke. <laughs> yeah. Good joke. We, yeah. I, I do like that. He was actually hitting a note and not some kind of like discordant, like weird multiple notes or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was pretty solid. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was what it, it was a, with with your tuner, you were able to find one solid specific. Well, note yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, going all over the place. yeah. If you go, ah, it's going to show up as one specific note. Yes, if it was, if he was singing the B, the B flat and the C sharp at the same time, then it would, uh, it would sound like this. That's a minor third. <laughs> but what he was, but he was singing, he was screaming an F. 
So he was like, fuck! Exactly. <laughs> Which corresponds with the yeah. But it's like, why didn't they just have him? Because they clearly were having him do like the a, oh, uh, like, why couldn't they do? They got a they got a piano there somewhere probably. It's a recording studio. Just hit a C sharp. I mean, it's like you can either ever you could a voice actor is going to be able to hit or hmm, like ah uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not as it wouldn't have been in his power range. Um, but the joke still doesn't make that much sense when he says C sharp. Yeah. Like I guess like well, I C think, a sharp yeah, C thing, sharp part. or you're gonna be flat. Like, Haha, he got flattened. Like, and he's at the bottom. B flat makes sense, but the C sharp is just a random note that he says. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I I think it's <laughs> I think it's supposed to be you that he he's suggesting that he should see the sharp thing, but it still doesn't. It's, it's not so, a good joke. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yes. I laughed. I was laughing at, at Cassie groaning at it. Which is but no, you might be, you might be right. <laughs> a a uh, uh, a C sharp is kind is like slightly high, so like it might have not been in his in his power range. It would have or or he would have been like screaming awkwardly high or screaming awkwardly low. Yeah, I can see that. But still, it's a jamish <laughs> nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. Like F. Or whatever the hell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Said, oh, sorry. We were looking for B flat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. But because <laughs> the idea that Night Scream has perfect pitch is like, I would love for that to be a fact about him. <sighs> but, <laughs> the, for those of and you who don't be- know, perfect pitch means that you can hear a note and say what it is. So you can hear yeah. you can hear an F and you can identify that as an F. So just then, for the for those you of you, be in those movies, you can also be just you can be and you can be born with perfect pitch and you can like you can develop your sense of pitch. But like some people are just like they just have it. Which is right. Cool. Right. Just- usually usually if you have perfect pitch, you're born with it. You can develop a relative pitch or you can yeah. or like some people can like some people can kind of memorize where an F is or something. But like. For the most part, people who are people are born with perfect pitch. But also, yeah. yes, Pitch Perfect Three was really good. Just um, I saw that I saw that cool. yesterday. It was really good. Oh, hmm. nifty! I mean, if you like the other two, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like I've you know, not seen any of them. But they, they, I mean, like I like singing, so I probably would like it. <laughs> I I like them a lot. Rebel Wilson is a genius. She needs to work more. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. They're, I mean, yeah, they're a lot. They're they're very fun movies, and this one was like they've ramped up the wackiness over the course of the three films. Um, and uh, but it's like just enough. Like it's just grounded enough that it that it works for the for the world that they've set up. And uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't see a Pitch Perfect four, but it really did feel like this was like the end of the series. And I think if they leave it at those three at the trilogy, I think it'll, you know, have a good legacy. Um, Mm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's been my um, perfect pitch. Perfect talk. (laughs) So yes, getting back to the episode. um, So after the, the horrible joke, we've now cut to black arachnia's limb body uh, riding on thrust. This was a little disturbing to me. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how Thrust managed to get her body onto him. He, like, 
put her he like threw her up in the air and she landed perfectly on him. Yeah. Magnets? Mm. Yeah, that maybe. How do they work? <laughs> uh, don't tell me. Don't ruin the mission. Also, he has he has drones. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, I feel like even though he like acts like he's like being a dick to Night Scream here, I feel like he was bringing the body to Night Scream. Yeah, I sort of got that impression too. Um, because yeah, he immediately he stops, and Black Arachne's body falls off of him as he skids to a stop, and we've got him and Night Scream. And they sort of have, you know, a bit of a back and forth. And yeah, Night Scream's like, oh, out for a drive. He's like, he's like, oh, just looking for something. What, what was the line that he had? It was like looking for something to, to slag. To slag or something like slag. that. And uh, and Night Scream's like, yeah, me. He's like, oh, what a coincidence. Me too. And then they sort of get into a bit of a fight. And Night Scream, man, he gets caught with the aforementioned uh, thrust grappling hook hand uh, on his ankle. He's trying to get away, can't seem to, and just immediately launches his denture vampire line. It's super OP and takes him out instantly because that's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And so he manages to get the, uh, the spark extractor. He's holding Black Arachne's spark as we then cut to her as she's sort of floating through this light. And we then see Optimus, who manages to censor as he's sort of meditating. They come face to face. And Black Arachnia is like, Optimus, what are you doing here? She tries to hold his hand, and her hand like just passes right through his. And he mentions where they are. He's like, well, this is another plane. He's like, I've been able to get here because I've been able to commune with the Oracle. He's like, you, on the other hand, he's like, that would mean that your spark has left your body. She's like, so I'm offline. So she starts freaking out uh, as in the real world, uh, Night Scream is trying to get her. He's like trying yeah, to back, push back in her. the material plane. They're in the astral plane. Yeah. Uh, Black Rocking and Optimus. Yeah. And, and we've got Night Scream who, you know, he releases the spark. And it's sort of hovering over the body, and then he starts trying to shove the spark. What into else? Would, her what would you do? I mean, that's well, I what you do. Know. Like that's what I would do too. Like what else would you do? You find the compartment. <laughs> they, spark A goes into slot B. Compartment anymore. <laughs> the way their bodies are, they're not the same as like the their old bodies where they kind of could just open up their chest. I feel like. True enough. Uh, so. She in in the astral plane starts freaking out at the the revelation that she's offline, and as she reacts and starts flying away, her spark in turn in the material plane does the same thing. And Night Scream, of course, thinks, "Oh my God, you know what did I do wrong?" And starts giving chase after it. And he's like, "Hey, wait up!" He's like, "I'm just trying to get you back in your body." And eventually, Optimus catches up with her in the astral plane. It's all like, "Dude, chill. It's cool. Your friends are there." Exactly. <laughs> so he gets, it, did, did we mention that he he says the higher plane they are is connected to the matrix? Yeah, and he I, that I forget all, if we mentioned that that. They're, that. that they're all fragments. Like everyone, um, yeah. is 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 like to all are one kind of thing, right? Like everyone's yes. kind of a, a part of the matrix, mm-hmm. and they're just all fragments of the same whole. Yeah, which I think, like if that. I remember correctly, this is one of the things that the like was actually kind of more 
well, Beast Wars kind of made implications about it as well, but more it's more clearly stated here in Beast Machines. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of like one of the first t- things, like a lot of the things that deal with Sparks and the Matrix and stuff were taken from this, these two series. Yes. And I think that's like one of the few times that they actually like explicitly cite that all Sparks come from the Matrix. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he mentions that um, all of their Sparks are fragments of the All Spark. Yeah, I think that's I think that's how he puts it. So if all um, the sparks are from the Matrix, does Optimus know Kung Fu? Yes. Yes. He knows yeah. monkey style. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, Jordan. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> okay. You yeah. it? Look, we're like we're like halfway through the episode and it's not even been an hour yet. It's okay. We're we can like more we can, than halfway through the episode. We can get actually. we can get as off track as we need to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, cutting back to to Night Scream as he's chasing the spark. Uh, he's back in his bat form, and now that the spark has stopped, he's sort of you know floating and he's got his face very close to it. And Osvis is continuing to you know instruct Black Arachne like your friends are nearby. He's like focus, find your still, find your balance, and. As, he says it's a still point, like you were about to say. Yes. He, does, he does say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as she does, Night Scream has brought her spark back to her body, and it in turn goes in. He's like, ha-ha, I did it. And she wakes up. She thanks him for, you know, bringing her back. And he's like, uh, consider it payment for babysitting. Yeah. And he's like, but I think our friends need her help. And then yeah. cuts back to Cheetor and Rat Trap having a bad time. Real yeah. bad time. I love how, you know what? I just realized they do a, a couple of callbacks to lines they said a lot in this episode. Like he, Light Scream just did that callback to uh, the the babysitting line earlier. Yeah. But at some point in the episode, like uh, like Rat Trap like yells at at Cheetor for trying for for having a great plan of trying to turn tank you know Tankor to their side. Mm. And at some point when they're up on the arches, uh. Cheetor says that is all, and how is this plan supposed to work as well? Like, it seeming to imply that it was Rat Trap's idea to climb up on the on the things. So it seems like <laughs> everyone's just like you know sniping at each other again. Yeah, not as bad though. Not no, bad. that's true. Not as bad. Um, what winds up happening to to the pair of them is uh, Tankor sort of does a domino effect on the arches. He he slices one of them down as it knocks into all of the others. So they don't have another arch to be able to jump onto. So the one that they're on, as it gets knocked over, they fall over. There's a bit of an explosion and we've got Cheetor who is pinned under some crates and he's calling for rat trap, no answer. And tanker, you know, shows up. Cheetor tries to reason with him again. He gets another sort of, you know, conflicted moment in his head and we then cut to Optimus, who, while he's still in this, you know, meditative state, starts walking through this grassy field uh, where it's dark and there's flashes of lightning. And the thing is, every time there's a flash of lightning rather than grass, it sort of looks like circuitry. Yeah, I thought that was a neat as touch. we're getting like a top down view. Yeah, it's yeah. some kind of it's some kind of pattern. Yeah. So he starts moving through the grass and he comes upon dun 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 Rhinox. We haven't seen him in a long time. And of course, Optimus says Rhinox and it's starting to rain. Um, we then, 
yes, we fade to black. And we, when we come back in, we we actually get to see Rhinox's you know body. He looks the way it looks is almost almost mannequin like or Marion not mannequin marionette like or almost puppet like in that okay. uh, his limbs are sort look like they're sort of dangling a little bit like you might see with a marionette if it was on strings and you weren't moving it at first. Um, but it start, you know, he starts becoming more like himself as it, he looks like he's pained uh, as he starts speaking and, you know, he's clutching his head. Optimus is saying, Oh, we've, you know, we finally found you. We can put a stop to Megatron. And Rhinox says, no, Megatron's plan is actually sound. What he, He's trying to bring balance and peace to everything, whereas you're trying to throw everything into chaos with yeah, his like nature. He says nature's the destroyer. And yeah. Like- you know, I'm I'm really torn because like I like I like what they've done here. I like the concept of of Rhinox, you know, kind of coming to and yet still being evil. But like since uh, since Jordan said in the trivia that this was originally supposed to be like a calm calm discussion. Um, I can't, I can't decide whether I like him being like him calmly and rationally coming to this conclusion that, you know, that, uh, that uh, technology and, and having one hive mind is the only way that we're going to have peace, uh, mm-hmm. or, or, and, you know, you know, as long as we have individuality, there's going to be war. Like, it, I don't know whether like him rationally coming to that decision or him like this, I get the sense that his spark was corrupted. Like he was yeah. sort of, yeah. he was brainwashed on a deeper level uh, in in this case. And I don't know which one I like better or maybe a little bit it, of each. Maybe, maybe he, maybe because he was losing his mind a little bit, he, he was able to be, be turned. Yeah. Cause again, it could be also, like you said, uh, you know, repercussions of a war of like a war that's been ongoing on that, on Mm-hmm. For a while, you know, like, you know, like, like you said, like he's, son, you know, suddenly was coming to the realization that individualities will always cause, uh, you know, wars to occur and stuff like that. And he's, a, you know, and he was always trying to he was t- trying to be, you know, more he was always the common cool collector. And maybe just learning that seeing that might have actually kind of just, you and, know, tipped um, him over. And now yeah. and now it's like he's kind of flipped his fl- flipped his switch in a way. Yeah. And so, it's also oh, yeah. kind of. I was going to say, this also goes into something like, Greg, you mentioned how I had a theory and, and thing and wanted to remind me of. I remember what it was, and it kind of mm-hmm. more important entails with, uh, with uh, Rhinox here. Yes. And it's the simple fact that uh, we've seen what happens when Rhinox is evil. Yes. And it could be said that when Megatron, you know, took the thing, he, ki- he might have tried to do that again you know, like flipped, flipped him to a Predacon in a sense. Yeah. I mean, they do have that technology, so it's hard to say. It's hard to say if he did this on his, he came to his own or he was under pressure or what. So, um, one, one thing that, that, um, Cassie brought up when we were watching it, and I think this is an interesting, uh, question or, or scenario rather. Um, imagine that the show started with like the same thing, but it's Rhinox instead of Optimus. And they're looking for Optimus Primal, mm-hmm. to their leader, to like, you know, to um, get their group back together and figure out what's going on. Like, the, it, it's kind of like the first, however many episodes, is like this search for Optimus Primal. 
Mm-hmm. And then when they discover he's he's a Viacon, and he decides that that Megatron's right, and Rhinox is a spiritual leader, while Cheetor becomes a leader because Optimus just isn't there. Like mm-hmm. that'd be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. And you know what? That would have almost been a a cool callback because with Rhinox, we had those instances where. He was sort of very spiritual, like especially when he yeah. brought Optimus and back. Rhinox was already spiritual in Beast, yeah. in Beast Wars, yeah. and then and he was more Optimus connected wasn't to nature really. than many of the others. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah, and also it would have been interesting because like them not having their leader, everyone would be like, "Well, what happened to Optimus? Like, he's like, you know, he's fucking Optimus Prime. Like, he's he's not Optimus Prime, but he pretty much is. So it's like, and people have a big connection to Optimus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like. And then him being the bad guy would have been, like, really shocking. Yeah. 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 I, although, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think you could I don't think you could do that. But uh, because, yeah, you have to have Optimus as the I, I don't I certainly don't, you don't think you could have to, him. Though. I mean, you could just not do that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could subvert the whole thing. And it would have been I mean, I, I like how it is well, now. And I, and I, and I don't I was, like the idea of being a bad guy or anything. But it, it is an interesting twist on it that might have made, I don't know. Well, I was going to say Prime event, like Transformers Prime event started without with Optimus, right? It didn't It didn't start with him until like later or was he at the start? I kind of forget. Prime was in a, in Transformers Prime? Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, he I was in Transformers Prime at the start. Okay. And then I know the recent uh, Robots in Disguise definitely didn't start with Prime as no. like no, that started with Bumblebee as sort of a, he was sort yeah. of tasked with this mission from Optimus. Look, the last and time when this came out, the last time that they tried to write Optimus out of the show or remove him from the show temporarily, a uh, kid locked himself in his room for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, I like, I mean, like, this isn't him dying. No, this is like it's different. And also a primal is different than prime. Like they aren't the same. Like, but still, I think, I, I don't know. It would have been interesting. I mean, like, I don't want either of them to be bad, but that's just, but as a, as a story, that would have been an interesting mm-hmm. way to take the story over this. Um, and then this is interesting too. I just, yeah. What like, I think like, what later I, on, like it's, it's, it's line later, but Cheetor says like Rhinox was the best of us. It's true. So it still mm-hmm. does have a lot of impact. Cause I think, yeah, yeah Rhinox was the best of them. Like in yeah. a lot of ways, like, no, I, I think they chose, I think they chose Rhinox because for whatever reason they had decided not to include you know, not to update Rhinox's toy. Like this feels of like a very toy based thing because he did, he never got an upgrade. Um, but, uh, basically, I mean, but you know, all that really, all that Megatron needed to do was give him three gigabytes of attitude on his two gig hard drive. And that, that, <laughs> that turned him, that would turn him. So, you oh, know, yeah. he was right I, on I the still, edge. I still feel like it's more of a plot reason because like, again, like he, he was like, the, he was the best of them in terms of like he had a really good moral compass. He was he was wise. He was really smart, and he was also powerful. Like, and he he, he had a lot of humility. Like, he was just a really great guy. And then that's and then, like, like when I was a kid, I really hated it because I was like, no, Rhinox is like super nice. Like, why would they? Like, as an adult, I can kind of like see it. Like, I don't get like upset about it. But it, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely an interesting take that you suggested with. If we had have seen the reversal of Rhinox and Optimus, I think it, to expand upon that further, I think it would have been interesting if 
there had been a way to sort of bring Optimus back from the brink, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would want the, to end with Optimus being a good guy again. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't remember what happens here. I don't I don't. I don't think that happens here, no. but I'm not sure. So, yeah. so you actually bring up an interesting point. You said that when you were watching this as a kid, you hated it because Rhinox shouldn't be a bad guy. Is this one of the things that people backlashed against uh, yeah. in the original run? Yeah, yeah I think there was a bit did. of one. Huh. And you, I, I was going to say, I could see how it could happen. Like, it was a shock, and I kind of feel bad that you know Rhinox is evil and stuff like that. But I don't see it as it being too impossible for it to happen mm-hmm. as some people seem to uh rail and shout and say well it's actually the timing of us hitting this episode is rather fortunate considering and i'm i'm gonna try and be as vague as possible in in my comment in this next are you comment. bringing up the last jedi parallels yes yeah yeah yeah, because there that's that's one of the the big nitpicks that a lot of people have with the Last Jedi is this almost exact type of scenario. Well, it's okay, I mean, well, I, calm I down a little bit with that because I, I don't I don't want to know. It's not. I mean, yeah. it's not really. I mean, yeah. it's it's not a. I don't think it's a spoiler to know that people that people don't like. I mean, if you've been on the internet at all and without yeah. you know, I mean, people there there definitely is a backlash against the portrayal of of Luke. Um, I don't know why it's just coming out with Last Jedi because nothing in Last Jedi. I mean, the way that they handle his character in Last Jedi is pre- like it's a pretty natural progression from what was going on in in The Force Awakens. But uh, but yeah, it is it is definitely that same sort of like oh they did the thing that's not what we expected. I'm so mad. Yeah, uh, yeah. which in turn. Because of the amount of backlash that we saw in this series, and I think definitely this particular moment was one that turned a lot of people off to it. I can, I definitely see the parallels in that. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, and M, I agree with you back when I was younger, probably would have really upset me that this happened. But being able to, you know, mature and see it now. And appreciate new ants. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is really good storytelling. Um, well, especially, is, you know, I think I made a decision. I think I like the way they did it better than if they had made him have rationally come to this conclusion. Because I don't think that Rhinox, if he was 100% of sound mind, totally reasonable, totally the same person that we saw from from Beast Wars, I don't think he would come to this conclusion. But if his no. spark has been a little bit corrupted and he's been a little bit manipulated – um, there is, you know, it is a fine line. And, yeah, definitely. And yeah, he could, you know, I also, I also like it. Also leaves the idea that if they could just, you know, keep talking to him, maybe they will get him to see, you know, that he has been manipulated or mm-hmm. something's wrong. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's just a misunderstanding that they can get through to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, I do, Kyle. I like it yeah. like this as well. I'm really curious moving forward if they're going to continue having Rhinox's personality be out. Or if they're just gonna like revert to tank, or mm-hmm. with Rhinox taking a backseat, or I'm not sure. Because I mean, like, really, he's he's more dangerous as Rhinox because like Rhinox is very competent. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I know how the I know how the episodes go. You'll be interested to you'll I think you'll find it interesting. Marv Wolfman told me in that <laughs> commentary as well. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so that commentary is very spoilery. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I think I think and the other thing to sort of shed some light on it because without without going into future spoilers, but uh, what he was taught what he what he talked about a lot in between his interview and the commentary of that episode, whatever episode it was, uh, this this is about. The, the theme of this show is about moderation versus extreme balance versus extremism. And, and so I think if you think of it in terms of that, Rhinox to some degree is a little bit of an idealist. And I think that people who are people who tend to be, have very extreme views um, and, and extreme, you, you know, they could be, if, if they're swayed, they're going to be, hardcore suede you know it, it's when i was when i was in high school i knew i knew uh, this this girl who was she was a hardcore conservative christian and then she was an atheist and then when she went back to the church she went right back to being a hardcore conservative christian like you have these if you if you see things in those I- idealistic terms then you can be you can be pulled to one extreme or the other um and that that may be part of what they're trying to do with rhinox here yeah yeah, that's certainly possible. But yeah, so we we do get there's an interesting exchange too because as Rhinox starts to get angrier with Optimus because initially at first he he's like oh you abandoned me and Optimus is like no you no Megatron don't you remember we we got to Cybertron we were attacked and this is all Megatron and then he's like no Megatron is the reason why. He's what we should be doing. And as he's getting angrier and sort of, you know, getting more involved in his speech instead of like sort of being disjointed in his talking, he's getting very impassioned about it. His body is starting to grow and we get flashes where the lightning will show and we'll see Tanker's body instead of Rhinox's. But at the same time, it's still Rhinox as he grows and we've got Optimus sort of looking up at him as the conversation is going on and then it ends and Optimus, you know, he's like, no, in front of the Oracle and Tankor, we cut back to Cheetor and Tankor and Tankor is about to crush Cheetor and is then saved by Black Arachnia who pulls him out of the way with one of her webs. I'm sorry. Was I interrupting something? She said, yeah. (laughs) So, Night Scream manages to take out the, the drones that were attacking uh, by shooting some crates at them. And you see the back of his legs for a second. It looks like he's got speakers. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like little subwoofers in his in his ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, so Black Arachnia goes to attack Tankor, and Cheetor's like, "No, don't hurt him. He's Rhinox." And she's like, she's distracted by that, and he knocks her off uh, into some crates as well. And one of the crates that is knocked over opens up, and we've got Rattrap. He's like, "Hey guys, it's all right. I'm okay." Yeah, it's pretty funny. I like that part. He looks around and nobody seems to care. Uh, but we now have Tankor, who is sort of surrounded by all four of them. Uh, Cheetor is trying to reason with Tankor, and we this is the first time that we get Rhinox's voice coming out of Tankor. So he's managed to come to the surface now. Like he, he he's broken through and Black Arachnia is sort of like I wouldn't be surprised if his interaction with Optimus helped that. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me either. Um Black Arachnia is like, you know, surprised by it and Rhinox starts, you know, saying, 
essentially the same thing that he was saying to Optimus. He's like, you know, Megatron's right that uh, the when he mentions trying... that he's been conscious this whole time too, like he's yes. been aware of everything going on, which has implications for the other two. Mm-hmm. Yes, because uh, and Ryox says that he agrees with Megatron that he's looking for technological perfection and that you know they're the ones that are causing all all of this mess. And this is where we get Cheetor, who's like, no, Rhinox wouldn't say this. This is this is impossible. He's like, obviously, his spark's been corrupted. So they start attacking Tankor, and they manage to pin him down. And Cheetor orders Rattrap to, he's like, you know what? Megatron did this. He changed him. He's like, well, we're going to change him back for and, good. Yeah. And I was like, this is really fucked up. This is the bad thing. Don't do this. And luckily. Yeah. I mean, Rat Trap seems like reluctant to do it too. Yeah, because yeah. Rat Trap even at up. this point like, is kind of messed up. worried. And yeah. then Optimus shows up. And he's like, "Guys, this is fucking messed up." <laughs> but yeah, he he tells Optimus when Optimus shows up, he tells them all to stand down, and that Rhinox has made his choice. Kind of shows like Cheetor is still like uh, like naive, like yeah, like, he doesn't really get like you shouldn't mind control people. Just because someone else did it, like I yeah. don't know. Like, <laughs> and Optimus does bring up the valid point too that you know if we do that, then we're just bringing ourselves down to the level that the Megatron has. So yeah. it, it's not worth it to do that. Um, we do get a little bit of an exchange as Tankor is leaving, where he turns back, and we get Rhinox saying, "The next time that we meet, it will not be as allies." Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like and. Well, there's a few things that happened. Like, oh, and one thing I did like too was like when Cheetor starts attacking Tankor, Tankor goes like, or Rain- Rhinox rather, Rhinox goes like, "Is this like the harmony you want, the peace? Like, that's how you react to this?" And yeah, kind of trying to. And then Optimus says like, "Harmony without free will isn't really harmony." And it's true. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. everyone's at peace, but no one exists anymore. Like, what's the? There's not really like it's. There's no point to it. And. Yeah. Rhinox doesn't really see that, and yeah, like as you said, he's leaving and says, "Next time we meet, it will be as enemies and not allies." Mm-hmm. He's like, Brad, "He's Rhinox has made his choice." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was. I found that this episode out of the three was definitely the most poignant with with that particular scene there, uh, because like this is, you know, we've discovered that this is Rhinox, but even after everything's happened. You know, he's still chosen that side, which is actually kind of surprising given what happened a few episodes ago where Tankor actually started siding with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then was reprogrammed. Tankor personality decided that it was better to be good. Yeah. But the Rhinox one doesn't agree. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little weird there. Um, so we cut to back to the Maximals base. Um uh, everybody's sort of stoic. And this is where we get Cheetor saying, you know, Rhinox was the best of us and now he's gone. Uh, Black Arachne sort of tries to back up Optimus's decision on not changing Rhinox. I'm yeah, guessing because like, of her experience that she had her sort of out of body experience, so to speak. Well, also uh, she was kind of, she was kind of, she, yeah, she says that he understands what the matrix wants. She was really eager to like, uh, do that to Rhinox earlier, but I guess she like realized it's maybe not the best thing, or yeah. she at least trusts Optimus to have the better judgment. Um, and I, I, she was kind of mad at Optimus for not doing it, but she, she's like, he's just upset about this as you are. Like he's not yeah. happy, so yeah, maybe lay off. Mm-hmm. 
So Optimus then states that he has finally figured out what the Oracle wants them to do. He's like, the Oracle wants us to bring the nature back to Cybertron. And everybody's like, well, there was nature here to begin with. And he says, well, we've already seen it with the tree that Night Scream had. And so that's going to be our mission is to bring. And we also, you know, with us going to Earth, coming back here, we have, you know, this bit of biological matter now from the from the Beast Wars and that it's been part of the Oracle's plan all along. So as the the scene closes, we we see like this giant tree sort of on top of Cybertron. And then as we go up further, we see a sort of like faded in in the background uh, visage of Tankor, which I guess is a bit of foreshadowing as to what will happen in future episodes. But yeah, so that that's where we close that episode out at. So overall, pretty good episode, I think. I like, yeah, the, I like this three-parter a lot, actually. I think the first part, I was a little bit, like, iffy on, but the second part and the third part, I, I liked a lot. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, 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 I mean, like I said, like, even when I first watched it, I was kind of surprised by Rhinox's decision. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I can see how he got, you know, how he came to that decision. Whether, he, like you said, like, he does seem he was still not... Like full, like he's been manipulated or anything like that. But I still can see, even with the manipulation, why he would fit, feel this way or or come to this decision. So it didn't seem too out of character to me at the time. Yeah, Kendall, how about you? Um, I I mean I liked it. The three parter was uh, I think was solid. It's 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 nice. I don't know for some reason in Beast Machines these continuity episodes just. Maybe it's because the because the the overall story is a little bit more straightforward and linear than how all all over the place the last two seasons of Beast Wars were. But I'm liking mm. these these learning new continuity stuff and character episodes. It's it's really interesting. <coughs> Sorry and uh, and yeah I I'm very excited uh, for Tankor. I was just looking at Tankor figures on eBay and they're surprisingly <laughs> affordable. Uh, oh, I've got a story to tell. Actually, now that, I, that you mentioned that, um, there is a 20th anniversary Beast Machines Optimus Primal that was out recently, and then my wife saw it at Toys R Us on sale for like forty-five dollars. She was thinking about getting it for my birthday, and she picked it up, realized that she had already had some other plans for my birthday, and put it back but then decided to go back and see if it was still there and it was already gone oh yeah but oh well is what it is but yeah i'm i'm really returning to it after being a kid and having like remembering how i was thinking of beast machines the first time i saw it i'm actually starting to really like that i've returned to it now looking at it and sort of in the eyes of someone a bit more mature and like you said, um, with a bit more nuance to, to sort of see where it's all coming together. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I was just upset that my character that I liked had, was bad now. Like I was just a kid. Like I was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see like, I didn't appreciate, um, how it kind of was an interesting way to take the story because I was just upset that I lost my character that I liked. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I mean oh, that—that that does see that does happen 
constantly in anytime any change happens in comic books, you know, they they every every first of all, everybody thinks it's going to be forever. But every but people get like they don't they don't see the nuance. They don't see, you know, oh the you know, like the uh the issue, the Secret Empire, Captain America thing in Marvel this past, you know, this past couple of years, everybody had that gut check of like being against, Cap- you know, oh, Captain America shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, but the actual story was good. So it worked. And, you know, they, and same thing with, uh, with, um, you know, Marvel has, when Marvel has, uh, will, will, Remove the, you know, they get rid of Thor's hammer and they replace it with the, with the lady to be Thor and everybody, and you know, people are like, hashtag not my Thor, but Jason Aaron writes a good story and it's good. So, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, this is a, it's it's an internet thing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) internet people got mad about something. Yeah. So this week we we have received a news post from Casey. Uh, it's a rather large news post. So because <laughs> it's got a is, couple of weeks. Worth. Yes. So the plan is we're going to try and give you guys a uh, a bonus news episode here. Uh, it will probably be coming out shortly after this week's episode. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of news to talk about. So we feel like it would be best to be able to to better dedicate to to all the talk that's going to be generated from that. We're going to have that as a separate news post, but we do have a couple of questions. So why don't we tackle those questions and then we shall call it a week on this episode. All right. So we got, let's see, we have a couple of questions from Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have from uh, Futch, Gen W is strong Cassidy or what is caught at, at what is cosplay on Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if they're changing our names just so we can say it out loud on the. Because, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, maybe. Uh, what are some of your favorite no's in media? And Primal definitely gave up too easily, right? Um, I don't think he, I don't think he gave up so much as that he's just like he's not wanting to press it at this point because he doesn't think it's it's going to end well yeah. if he tried to press it. So he's basically like, we'll we'll come back and try try this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now, like, essentially, Rhinox's mind was in two places, and he, Optimus probably realized that because he's not there, that he could be saying things on one end, and then Cheetor and the others could be doing something that could be completely negating any point that he's trying to make in the conversation. So I think he is more picking the battle, so to speak rather than giving up on it, which I think is smart. Uh, but then to answer the the first part of the question with regards to the nose, uh, my favorite, I think, has to be Luke's from Empire Strikes Back. You don't like Darth Vader's from... Uh... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. I, I kind of like... Um, I was going to say, I, I think some of my favorites are Calculons from Futurama. <laughs> Those ones are good, too. Yeah, Maurice Malarch does does a great job as his voice. Yeah. And I did like how there was one joke where like they were showing clips and he was going, No, and they cut back to him. He's like and he's like, uh, interesting thing, the script actually had me say yes. Or had <laughs> wanted me to say yes. <laughs> um so so uh I've got two. Um the first one uh is Darth Vader's no at the at the end of the Blu-ray version of Return of the Jedi. 
This is particularly funny because before the Blu-ray came out, they like like people like I don't know if it was like an earlier version leaked or what, but everybody thought because they did add a no, like a no, no, you know, when he throws the emperor down the shaft. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like an earlier version had him being like super obnoxious about it. And and I always remember the controversy. So whenever I'm watching it, I'm like watching for like this really obnoxious no, and then it's actually not. It's actually fine. <laughs> uh, and the other one uh, was when I was uh, 15 years old, I made my one and only Star Wars fan film with the help of uh, several of my friends, um, uh, a couple of whom you can hear on the podcast that's going to be up here shortly and I'll talk about later. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I there was a no. We did a no scene. Uh, and we had the funny, the super funny joke of the guy going like, no, and like going for a long time and taking a breath and then continuing the no. <laughs> it was, it was quite funny. We were comedic geniuses. It's a shame that our creativity was squandered by, uh, I don't know. Let's blame Obama. I don't know. <laughs> How about you, Em? Um, no, I think you guys covered all the great no's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on to the next. Then she was gonna sure. say she was gonna say Kendall's fan films. No, I'm pretty sure. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, can believe that if you want. <laughs> so not so much as a question, but uh, a cl- nice little link that from close enough to Magfest, say hello or at Witsuraru on Twitter. Send us uh, a a link from uh, a Transformer friend who basically point. Uh, got the power of Prime's Transmetal Megatron. Yes. Uh, it's actually kind of neat, and uh, since it's one of the power of the Prime's robots, that means that it basically is a connector robot. It is a body robot, so you can basically have Megatron be the body of, of a giant robot with like other arms and leg cars and stuff to him. Mm-hmm. I saw that, yeah. I yeah, and it even. I believe the, the, the original poster was like, uh, what is it? Uh, I think they're cur- currently Grimlock Lockamus, but basically their 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 thing was uh, sadly no Dinobot or Rubber Ducky to combine with. Yeah, yeah. that was that was too bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh, and we almost had more Optimus bondage this episode. <laughs> yeah, you broke yeah. out of it. Almost it was close. Yeah. I don't know about this Power of the Prime Megatron though, because I don't. I, it looks like a. More blocky than I remember Transmetal Megatron being. Yeah. I guess it's okay though. I think I think it it's more. It kind of seems like a little, in a weird way, it kind of seems a little simplistic. But I think that's because, like I said, they're they're made to be part of all the the combiner stuff, yeah. which I think kind of is is still a good i you know is good and interesting idea because I just think the, I liked the original toy more if I remember. Mm. Ah, yeah, it's not bad. It's just yeah. And then finally, since uh, we have we're going to do the news posts later, we still do have a a question from Kay Hirsch or at Lady Kay Hirsch on Twitter. What was your favorite thing you got for Christmas this year? And I think we talked about that before, but we can go over. We didn't some, get candles. Yeah, we didn't get candles. All of my gifts were my favorite because I appreciate everything everyone gave me. Oh, <laughs> but the coolest thing I got uh, was my dad found a scan of a 
poster from the Bob Dylan concert that he and I went to together at Cooper Stadium in 2006 and uh, made it, got it, got it reproduced and, and, uh, and made and framed it as a poster. Uh, and the, that was cool. So it's hanging on my wall now. Uh, oh, nice. August 13th, 2006, uh, the Bob Dylan and, uh, the cool thing, the awesome thing about that concert was, uh, Eric Clapton, uh, randomly showed up as a special guest for one of the opening acts and huh. like didn't tell anybody beforehand. Eric Clapton has a house in Columbus. So he had been sort of like seen around town a couple of times and then he randomly went up on stage and did about four or five songs and it was, Definitely a highlight, a highlight of the evening, if not the highlight of the evening, because Bob Dylan, as as transcendent as it is to experience a Bob Dylan concert, that one was not, uh, in historically speaking, considered to be one of his better concerts. He he <laughs> he hid in the back corner of the stage the whole time and didn't talk, and the sound was kind of bad. But it was still amazing to see Bob Dylan. Uh, this I'm I'm glad that I got to see him a second time. This past uh, this past November, because uh, that was that was truly an excellent show and truly yeah. something something special. Cool. Okay. Um, I did mention how much I enjoyed the drop mix thing that I got, right? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I've 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 gotten more sound like playlists for it now, and it's oh, still fun. Cool. Um, and then finally from the Facebook group, we got a question from Ryan Butson who asked, why would Rhinox turn against nature when he was one of the only Maximals who enjoyed doing things like smelling flowers? Or eating beans. <laughs> eating beans. Or eating beans. <laughs> we kind of went over that, but I mean, I like 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 we were saying, like, and I think Ken, even Kendall pointed out, like, it can, it's just, it's flipping from one extreme to another, and sometimes people can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's, and maybe even the fact that he was a little bit more in touch with nature, uh, in and out there in nature, he could see some of its shortfallings. You know, some of the chaos that is nature. Mm-hmm. And maybe from a from a, a more practical standpoint, maybe he just doesn't think nature is a good thing for Cybertron. Like he might, he might have enjoyed it on back on Earth and stuff like that. But that mm. was Earth. That was a planet that was no, organic yeah. to begin with. Maybe he sees it like as much as he understands it and likes it. He might see it as something that would be catastrophic to Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly true too. That's certainly it's a possibility. possible. Yeah. Cool. So is that everything we have for questions this week, Jordan? Yep, that was but all the questions. Do you mind? Have, do you mind? If I got one other Christmas present story. Uh, okay. So my wife uh, got me a Christmas present um, and she was acting weird for like the two days before Christmas and like was like kind of doing one of these like, can I just give you your present now? Like I, I was like, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to open it on Christmas morning. And she's like, but uh, oh, well, I'll figure it out. And so come Christmas morning, we go to um, we go to my parents house to open our presents and she gives me this thing. She's like, it's not wrapped very well. And I open I, it's a gift bag. I pull out, I open it up and it's my switch, which, you know, I bought a switch a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And <laughs> she, what she had done is she had downloaded Sonic Mania onto the switch. Aww. <laughs> Aww. That is cute. So, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, that was, she was like, I don't know how to, but it worked. 
And and I had even kind of suspected that that's what she, that's why she was acting weird. And before we left, I glanced and I saw the dock for the switch. I didn't see that the switch itself was missing. So <laughs> so I was still kind of surprised. Cool. Now, see, if it was me, I would have gone like a little like jewelry box and then put a picture of that uh, of that got to go fast Sonic image. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. And on the back side of it says, check the switch. <laughs> yeah. Also, my my quick review of Sonic Mania. I'm clearly an old man because while I like it, I like Sonic Two better. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. It's yeah, yeah. It has yeah. It made me frustrated, and Sonic Two also gets me frustrated. But most of the things in Sonic Two that get me frustrated, I'm I'm expecting or used to, and the things in this, I yeah. But it's the right kind of frustrated. So it's still yeah. it's still solid. I'm about halfway through it at this point. So good times. Cool. All right. So does anybody have anything they would like to plug this week? Um, I'll plug basically, you know, the same things of uh, a part, you know, Game Apartment 1C is still going on. Uh, I think the I've made a huge mistake. Podcast should be ending pretty soon. I th- since it's like the ones that I was on basically second one i was on was like is the halfway point of the fourth season so it will probably be you know gone until they actually do a fifth season which is something they've been talking about that might actually happen we don't know people thought that they weren't going to actually do a fourth season and then somehow they actually did so who knows never know yeah oh and also i want to plug uh me and emily were on a recent let's place that's going to be coming out i'm not sure if it will be out by the time this comes out though it hmm. might be it might be cool but, but it was let's a special time to go out pretty fast after the game and, and emily was yeah. on the second half of a let's place it's true yeah i think i actually i think i fell asleep before the last game so i'm like uh i listened to enough of it <laughs> sure, sure we we live in a we live in an embarrassment of riches a let's place episode comes out every week for so long i just had the i just had the old episodes now i just now i can listen to them as they come yeah <laughs> it's true Ch- chelsea reinvigorated that series yeah i was gonna say all oh, because yeah. luke started dating chelsea <laughs> <laughs> thank you chelsea chelsea's great Okay, so how about you, Em? You have anything? Well, um, you can also catch uh, me on other audio entry podcasts, such as uh, Teenagers of Attitude, uh, In Pursuit of Passions, and Home for the Losers, which has Chelsea as the editor. So mm-hmm. something else she does that's real great is edit that podcast. You can also catch me on Twitter at This Is Emeralds. Cool. And Kendall, how about you? Okay, I got a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've... <laughs> I don't know why I do so much. It's for me. It's not for you. Um, Mm. That was me speaking to the listeners, not Greg specifically. Um, Although I, (laughs) Greg would be, would make, would enjoy listening to uh, this very special Kendall cast podcast that hopefully will go up uh, later tonight, meaning January 1st. So by the time of the podcast, you can listen to it. Uh, I'm calling it, the last podcast. It's a review of The Last Jedi that I did with uh, three very good friends of mine who also happen to be the three biggest Star Wars fans that I have ever met, in, 
and and then I am the fourth one that is also equally as big of Star Wars fans as them. And we talk about The Last Jedi for about two hours. Um, the the funny thing is we talk about the first five minutes for about the first hour, and then we kind of have to, <laughs> you know, move things along. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that that was that was fun, and that should be going up. Um, also. I've got a lot of episodes in the can for that's what we called music. Uh, our the review show of where we're going song by song through the now that's what I call music catalog. Uh, yeah, we're actually we've got five episodes posted and seven more in the can, so I should be cranking those out here shortly. Nice. Um, and uh, also, I did a blog entry. Um, a list of 10 comic books that uh, that I enjoyed in 2017 because some big name blog thing that starts with a V, I can't remember which one it is, like they their, their top comics of 2017 were I couldn't think of 10 because comics were bad in 2017. And so then, you know, I decided to participate in the Internet backlash of that uh, <laughs> of that and uh, and and give my 10. They're not like necessarily like the 10 greatest comics ever written in 2017, but they're 10 that I enjoyed. So, uh, cool. yeah, if you want to read my poorly written blog entry, you can find that at KendallCast.Ninja and follow me on Twitter at KHallman and the KendallCast podcast feed on the podcatcher of your choice. And that's that's all I got. Right on. Uh, so, uh, as always, if you list, like listening to what you heard here, uh, you can always check us out at audioentropy.com. I imagine most of those that are listening to it already have, but if not, if this is your first time, be sure to check us out on Audio Entropy. There are a lot of different podcasts, like the aforementioned Teenagers with Attitude, uh, Totally Reprised, Let's Place, Home for Infinite Losers, Going Pear Shape. There's a bunch. Um, also, Book of Adora, that's a good yeah. one. Uh, if you're going to All Pack South. <laughs> if you're going to pack south the aforementioned let's place is going to have a live ranking at the cactus theater on friday january 12th from 8 30 to 9 30 uh so if you want to see what let's place is all about you can join luke and chelsea and crystal as well as zach and dustin and i believe simon and also mitch from all along the watchtower are going to be there uh so yeah check it out uh, Luke has already said that he's going to be like incredibly awkward if anyone asks him for his autograph. So <laughs> I am almost guaranteeing that somebody somewhere is going to ask him for an autograph at some point. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure people will will try to talk to him for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Have him sign copies reason. of uh, Amulet of Vega. Yeah, that would be That'd awesome. That'd be amazing. Does, does that give you get a physical release? <laughs> well, I, I mean, like sure. maybe like a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> um, if for some reason you like listening to my silly voice uh, and you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I am at Greg C M U N. Normally, I'm just retweeting the show, uh, but I do every once in a while post stuff like when I got my lightsaber for Christmas or. If I'm commenting on some sexist jerk who was on the news recently, uh, and no, it's not the president or anything like that. It was somebody on our local news here in New Brunswick, and it was really gross and disgusting, and I felt like I needed to comment on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. there's that, that happens every once in a while. 
Um, but yeah. So if you like sexism, follow Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there you go. It's been another week. Uh, God, we are mowing through these episodes really fast. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> but for War and Beast, I have been Greg. I have been Emily. I have been Jordan. I'm not sure if I'm Kendall or Tankor. <laughs> Let's roll, folks. There's a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog memes. <laughs>